prayer. Yes, we are. And let me just talk to you about the title of the series is Teach Me to Pray, and we're in part two of the series, Teach Me to Pray. And, um, you know, I told you before, we have uh, over a thousand views every week on our website, people that watch. I have people that text me. Actually, I meant to read one of them. There's a couple that lives in Florida, and um, and they sent me a picture of them. They had they celebrated their nine-year wedding anniversary, and I married them somewhere in the beach um, they hired me just to marry them nine years ago, and um, they were down here, and they moved to Florida, and they watch us every single week, and he sent me a thank you. He said, our marriage is great because every Sunday we sit and watch the show together, and we read our Bibles and study and all that. It's so amazing that we have 1,000 to 3,000 views every week in our sermons until we did a series on prayer. It's so funny that people aren't sharing or watching prayer because, to be honest, it's a boring topic is what most people think. No one really wants to learn how to pray. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about living passionately, and I told all the wives to go to go to Victoria's Secret and spend as much money as you want to. Man, that there was over a thousand views within three hours of service being over on that. You know, people share that. But when it comes to teach me how to pray, it's not the most exciting subject, and I think it's because people don't see the results they want to see, and I think that's because they're not praying biblically. So a question that we talked about last week, are you praying religiously or biblically? It's a big difference. Religion is man-made. Religion is you heard somebody do it, so now you do it. And this person did it, and you do it this way. Religion is, it can, 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 can convince you that you're going to heaven because of things you do. Religion can convince you that God is pleased with you because of this particular act, rather than am I doing things biblically? It's a big difference between religion and the Bible. And so this series that I'm teaching you is how to pray biblically, and I believe with all of my heart, for some of y'all, it's going to be a life changer. Some of y'all will just be a good sermon series, and when we're done, you'll never remember it kind of thing. But for some of you in here that are actually practicing what we're talking about every Sunday, how many of y'all kept your commitment of five minutes every day this past week? Good job. If you didn't, I'm going to ask you to commit at the end of the sermon. But five minutes a day, the reason we're doing this habitually biblically is so that it'll change your life so when the series is over you'll continue to do it the right way uh, for some of you I really believe with all of my heart that if you will apply this series and practice it that um, there'll be things that you'll see happen on earth in your life that would have never happened had you not learned how to pray biblically praying biblically is a very important thing last week we talked about praying to our father in the name of Jesus out loud all through the Bible, they prayed out loud except for one person out of over a 1,000. Um, and it's so interesting that we know we can't get to heaven and live with God without going through Jesus. We know that we can't have our sins forgiven by God except through Jesus. But when it came to communication, we kind of thought we could do that on our own. We learned last week that we pray in the name of Jesus. We can't get to God without Jesus. Um, it's a very Communication is a serious thing. Even among us, we take it for granted that we can actually encourage each other. We can actually bless people. And communication is very powerful. In the Old Testament with um, the Tower of Babel, God said they can do whatever they, they can do, anything they put their mind to, because they were communicating so well. So God scrambled their language and communication and everything got destroyed when they stopped communicating. So communication is a powerful thing. Um, God had a box called the Ark of the Covenant, right? Y'all know about the Ark of the Covenant. It's a box that belonged to God. And, and God is so perfect that even a piece of furniture that belongs to him, somebody touched it. Uh, one of God's children touched it, and they died instantly. Communication is way more important and a bigger thing than touching a piece of furniture. So think about touching a piece of furniture, and you die instantly because of God's perfect holiness, yet we get to communicate to God. That's way bigger than touching a piece of furniture. 
Therefore, we should take it much more serious that we can talk to the creator of the universe anytime we want to. Huge. But it seems like we take it for granted. We don't do it as much as we should. Maybe it's because you're not seeing the results you want to see. Maybe it's because you're not doing it correctly. So I'm going to make a statement, and then we'll get into our sermon today. And here's the statement. When prayer is done biblically, it always works. Always. The only way I can boldly and confidently look at you and say, this always works, is if I know what the result is supposed to be. Just like if I had a telephone and, and, and I had a telephone and I had an orange that I wanted to slice up and I take the phone and I'm trying to slice up the orange and it's not working. Maybe it's not meant for that. And then I dial a number on the phone and, I, and someone's like, oh, so that's what it's used for. I know now that this works because I figured out what the result's supposed to be. This phone is used to talk to people on the other line. Wow, now I get it. So once we discover the purpose of prayer, oh, we had a handout. Did we pass out the handouts? Oh, good, okay, good. Once we discover the purpose of prayer, once we discover the result of prayer, we'll know how long we should pray. We'll know if we're praying correctly. So prayer always works when it's done biblically, and I'm going to teach you one of the main goals of prayer today. Here we go. Uh, Luke 11 and Matthew 6, 9 through 13. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which... Hallowed be thy name, loud thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us. Yay, my good little Catholics, y'all did so good, so good, so good how y'all stayed together and sing like that. Okay, so why would the Son of God pray? Why would Jesus take time out of his ministry in helping people to pray? Why would Jesus teach us to pray? Why would the hundreds and hundreds of people in the Bible pray if prayer didn't do anything? If nothing changed, why would they do it? These were not unproductive people. Jesus was not unproductive. He didn't want to waste time. Evidently, because all of these people prayed, evidently it actually does something. Evidently something changes when you pray. Something occurs. Um, uh, as we begin to study prayer, you'll see that all through the Bible, every time you read your Bible, it'll be different for you now because you'll see how many times they prayed. When they cried out to God, they prayed. When they praised God, they prayed. When they worshiped God, they prayed. Um, and it's because prayer is just communication to God. It's communication to God. And learning how to pray the right way is learning right communication to God. So there's three goals for prayer, for your notes. There are three major results. This is how you know if you're praying correctly. This is how you know how long you should pray every time you pray is by knowing, did I accomplish this goal? Did this goal take place? There's three goals, and I'm only going to give you one of them today. In the next few weeks, I'll give you the other two, and once you get all three and you see it go together, you're going to be like, wow, now I got this. Okay? There's one goal I'm going to tell you about today. This goal is very important because let's say throughout the Bible, let's say that, um, that everyone blinked their eyes three times. Everywhere they went, they just blinked their eyes. God said, blink your eyes three times. They blinked their eyes three times. Jesus blinked his eyes three times. The prophets blinked their eyes three times. You would want to say, before I start blinking my eyes three times, I want to know why. Is it just a good thing to do? Is it just something that makes us, you know, that makes God happy with us? Why should I blink my eyes three times? I don't want to do it for nothing. I don't want to do it the wrong way. I want to make sure I'm doing blinking my eyes. That's how it should be with prayer. 
There's got to be a reason. Why did they pray? What was the point? What was the result? Three goals for prayer. and I'm going to give you one of them today that I'm going to spend 20 minutes explaining it to you. Goal number one for prayer is this. For my heart to want the king to have dominion. That's the first goal in prayer, and I'm going to spend 20 minutes explaining to you. I use these words because they're biblical, but you can reword it in your notes the way you want to once you learn what I'm trying to say. The number one goal for prayer is for my, for my heart to want what God wants, for my heart to want God to rule, for my heart to want whatever God's going to tell me, for my heart to want whatever God's going to show me, for my heart to want whatever I read in the Bible, for my heart to want whatever I feel the Holy Spirit leaning me towards. For I, now, here's the thing. This is very important because a lot of you, you don't want what God wants. If we're being very honest, you don't. I mean, very honest. We want what we want. We want my kingdom to come. We don't want thy kingdom come. We want my kingdom to come. We want what we want when we want it. And that's what our prayers are like a lot of times. God, fix this, give me this, change this, do this. Amen. Let me ask you something even psychologically. Why would you want to continue praying if, it's not, if you don't even know what God wants? Why would you want to pray about something and talk to God and waste your time about something when you don't even want what it is God wants. Isn't that a waste of time? Because you're praying for something that may not be God's will for your life. And so the purpose of prayer, the number one purpose, is to want what God wants. And, I, and the way we get that is through hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. See, when we first got saved, we gave the king dominion over our life. But the question is, does he still have dominion? In other words, does the king still rule over your finances? Does he still rule over your thought life? Does he still rule over your relationships? In other words, do you really want what God wants? The truth is, we don't. That's why we pray, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. And every prayer... If, if your heart already doesn't want what God wants, you should always start your day out, start your workout, start your, before you go to bed. Your pr first prayer should always be, Our Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for being a big God in my life. Thank you for being everywhere, omnipresent. Thank you for being all-knowing, omniscient. Thank you for being all-powerful. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for giving me a family. Thank you for giving me a job. Thank you last week when you blessed me. Thank you, God, that I'm still alive. I'm so grateful for who you are and what you've done. You're so wise. You're so good. You're amazing. You're a big God. You can do great miracles. On and on when we pray, hallowed be thy name, what happens is it changes our heart. At first we wanted what we wanted, but then when we start praising and worshiping God, our heart goes to whatever God wants. We don't know what he wants, but you know what? I want whatever it is you want. Why continue praying about anything in your life if you don't want what God wants? Hallowed be thy name is a prayer that changes our hearts to want whatever God wants. And see, for a lot of people, this may be easy for you. Maybe you wake up and you immediately, God, whatever you want. Just I, whatever, My heart wants what you want. For some of y'all, it's going to take a lot of hallowed be thy name praying to get to the point where you want whatever God wants with your money, where you want whatever God wants with your relationships. Hallowed, for your notes, it's only one time in the whole New Testament, and that is in the Lord's Prayer Gospels. It's because hallowed is one of the most important, sacred, amazing words ever used to describe God. It's not just an adjective, it's a noun. It is who God is and what he does. 
Both a noun and adjective. It's who he is and what it is. Hallowed. Hallowed means sacred, set apart, sanctified, amazing, omnipotent, all-powerful. Hallowed is one of those greatest words ever used to praise and worship God. Now, as a side note, the devil always has a counterfeit for anything God has. For instance, God has love. The counterfeit is lust. Okay, there's always a counterfeit. What do you think the counterfeit is for hallowed? Hallowed is used to focus everything on God. It's not So far in the Lord's Prayer, we haven't talked about us. Nothing's been about us. No, my want so far. It's all right now. We're still, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. Hallowed is to focus on how awesome God is. What do you think the counterfeit for hallowed is? Hallow, Halloween. Isn't it interesting that we dress up and we have fun, but celebrating Halloween, the whole point of Halloween, the, the original goal is for Satan to have all focus on him. Isn't it interesting how, 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 how the, the devil is so clever, he wanted, to do, he wanted to do all he could to make sure he get as close to Halloween as he possibly could. Side note. Okay, so here's some scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying, whatever happens, keep, what's that word? Thanking God for this is God's will for you. Philippians 4.6, with thankful hearts offer up your prayers and requests to God. Psalms 104, enter into his gates with everything I want. Enter into his courts with everything I need. Be asking unto him. No. Uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him, and think so, say so. There's prayer out loud, affectionately, praise his name. Hallowed is just good communication. When my kids come up to me, Daddy, give me this, I want this, fix this, do this, I'm like, really? When they come up to me, Daddy, you're such a great daddy. Thank you for buying me that toy last week. Dinner was so good tonight. Thank you for providing for us, Daddy. You're the best daddy in the world. I'm like, what do you want? Anything you want, you can have it. Whatever you want, you can have it. Hallowed is just good communication. So I wanted to think of an analogy to help you understand hallowed be thy name, getting into thy kingdom come. And here it is. The way rain is formed is the sun shines on water that's here on the earth. The water turns into vapors and condensation rises up and it forms clouds. Once the clouds are, are full of rain, it, it, it pours it down all over the earth. Okay? All over the earth. Hallowed be thy name when we praise and thank God and are grateful. It's like vapors that are rising up in the sky. Once it's full, once your heart actually wants what God wants, and you can say, okay, whatever it is, the rest of the day, with who I treat, how the way I treat people, how I act at work, how I spend my, God, I just want, I want what you want. I may not like it, you know, I may just, you know, buck a little bit, but at the end of the day, I really do want what you want. And let me tell you, this sounds a lot harder than it is. Some of y'all are praying that I don't use certain scriptures and teach on certain subjects here at church because you're going to be so upset and frustrated and you came to church to feel good. You didn't come to church to really want what God wants. You just wanted to feel good. So it's very, very hard to get to the place where your heart wants what God wants. For some of y'all, your life sucks eggs right now and here's why. You don't want what God wants. You want what you want. So hallowed be thy name is, is the prayer that gets the vapors up in the air and thy kingdom come is when our heart lines up with God's word and rain pours back down to the earth. Let me tell it to you like this. Um, 
Some of y'all, we, I say all of us, we all pray, hallowed be thy name on Sundays. That's what our, our praise and worship's for. The reason I preach after the music and don't preach and then do music is because the praise and worship is designed for your heart to want whatever's going to come out of this word later on in the service. The reason our prayer partners don't start with the first song is because I want our prayer partners, whatever they've been going through during the week, to shake it all off. And when they start praising and worshiping God, all of a sudden, before they even realize that their heart changes, and now they want what God wants. They want you to be healed when you come down. They want you to be encouraged. They want God to do work in your life. They want to stop focusing on themselves and focus on how amazing God is in our family and in the kingdom. It all starts with praise and worship. Our prayers should always start with this. Um, I think about how, um, you know, you praise and worship on Sunday morning, and then during the week you need help. Um, something goes wrong, you need somebody, to, you need a miracle. And so God looks over the angel, and he tells the angel, hey, pour them down some favor in my life. Pour them down some of my mercy. Pour them down a miracle. And the angel says, God, I can't. They said, what do you mean you can't do it? The, the angel says, I looked over in their cloud, and it's completely empty. We gave them a sprinkle on Sunday afternoon because they, they started praising and worshiping you. But now it's Wednesday and their cloud is completely empty. All they're talking about is what they want. And God's like, oh, don't they want what I want? Don't they know that what I want for them is way better than what they want? Jeremiah thirty nineteen says, out of them will come praise. Then by my blessing, they will increase and flourish. I read about this American Native Indian tribe. True story, okay? Many years ago here in America. They were known for their rain dances. Every time they danced, it would always end up raining. It was amazing. In fact, it got so popular that the neighboring tribes of Indians, anytime they were lacking in water, they would go visit this one particular tribe and they would bring them cattle and bring them horses and beg, please can we borrow your rain dancers? And they would send their rain dancers over to their region and the rain dancers would dance and dance and without fail, before they got done dancing, it would always end up raining. It became such a phenomenon that scientists here in the States went to visit this tribe and they went through one tribe and another and finally found this tribe known for their rain dances. They brought them whatever they could, money, jewels, cattle, and they begged, let us meet with your chief just for a few minutes. They got a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the chief of the tribe. They got in his teepee. They had an interpreter and they said, listen, man, our scientists are baffled. We need to understand how is it every time your rain dancers dance, before they finish dancing, it always ends up raining. How does this happen? And the chief whispered in the scientist's ear. He said, it's easy. We just dance until it rains. They were ripping off all these other tribes. It, whether it took four hours, four days, or four weeks, these guys would rotate dancers and just keep on dancing. And finally when it rained, they're like, yep, see, we made it rain. Give us what you got. Okay, hallowed be thy name is what we pray until our heart wants the king to have his way. You just keep on praying. It may take you weeks, months, hours, minutes, I don't know, but every time you pray, your first goal has to be praising and thanking and worshiping God so that your heart gets to the point where you actually want whatever God wants. Why keep praying 
if your heart doesn't want what God wants. It's a waste of time. There's actually people in the Bible, I don't have time to share it with you, people in the Bible, they actually prayed for things that was not what God wanted, and they got those things, and they died because of it. Why? Because God doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. He wants us to have abundance, the Bible says. So why pray if your heart doesn't want God to have his way? Okay, thy kingdom comes, the next phrase. Thy kingdom come. A kingdom is where a king has dominion, where a king has dominion. Hallowed be thy name gets us to the point where, okay, now I want the king to have dominion in my heart and in my life. In my relationship, I want the king to have dominion. At my job, I want the king to have dominion. Now I want what God wants. Luke 17, 20. They asked Jesus where the kingdom of God was. Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is inside your hearts. Let me give you another scripture that I know you know. Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Here's what a lot of people think this means. They think this means this. Do what God wants for a little bit, and he'll give you whatever you want. That's not what this means, okay? Delight yourself in the Lord means hallowed be thy name. You're amazing. You're powerful. I love you. You're awesome. Listen, Praising and worshiping God, it's not, we don't do this to say, okay, God, I hope you're happy. We do this so that our heart gets to the place where God says, okay, now the desires that you had in your heart, they were from you, but I'm going to change those. I'm going to give you some desires that are from me. Some of y'all have no idea what it's like to actually have a desire that's from God. It's amazing. It is amazing. When you get that, amazing things happen for the kingdom of God. Um, there's a true story about this, this pastor who was trying to raise money to finish off their building. Something happened. They were building it, and things, you know, the, 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 the um, economy went bad. Whatever it was, they couldn't finish paying for it. So the pastor stood up in front of everybody and said, Listen, how many of y'all, if God gives you the money supernaturally, not saying you have it right now, but if we pray today and God gives you the money, will you give it all to the kingdom of God, to the church, to finish paying for our, our building. One little old lady at the back of church, she stood up and raised her hand and said, okay, I'll do it. If God gives it to me, in other words, no pressure. If God supernaturally does it, will you give it all? See, a lot of us think things like this. If I win the lottery, man, I would give this much money to the church. You wouldn't give that percentage of what you make now to the church. So don't say if you won the lottery, you give it to the church. So funny. If I win a million dollars, I'd give 100000 to the church. Well, if you make $1,000, you wouldn't give 100 to the church. It's the same thing. But anyway, so this little old lady, I think that's funny. Evidently, y'all didn't, but I thought that's hilarious. But anyway, so this little old lady, she raised her hand, okay? So in a few weeks, the little old lady's best friend was in the middle of a big lawsuit, big legal settlement. She won a bunch of money. She called her friend up and said, listen, I feel like I'm supposed to give you $2 million. She gave her the $2 million. The little old lady gave all $2 million of it to the church. When the friend found out what the, her friend, the, the old lady did, she called up and said, I didn't want you to give that money to God. I wanted you to have that money for yourself, so I'm going to give you another $2 million. A few more weeks went by, and the lady that won all the money in the lawsuit, she got a call from her lawyer. The lawyer said, I got good news. They ruled again in our favor. The other side has to pay you penalties and interest, damages and all that stuff, in the amount of $4 million above what we already gave you. Listen, when it was all said and done, the church got paid off, the old lady got blessed, and the friend was not out one penny. Here's why. Because somebody actually had a heart to say, whatever you want is what I want. 
I may not like it. It may be difficult. It may be hard. But whatever you desire, my heart desires that too. Let me give you a scripture to back this up. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of John Paul. Not the kingdom of you, but the kingdom of God. And then everything else will be added unto you. Then everything else will be added unto you. We're so busy praying and concentrating and trying to build our own kingdom We forget all about the purpose of prayer is first to build the kingdom of God. Our relationship with God is about his kingdom. So let me give you this point here. The reason a lot of people don't pray is because this next question. Will the king have dominion no matter what? In other words, will God do whatever he wants to do regardless of if I pray or not? Will God save my child whether I pray or not? Will God heal my friend whether I pray or not? Will God do what he wills or wants to do regardless of if we pray? What do y'all think, yes or no? Y'all always wait to see what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all say, I'm not going to answer. It'll be the wrong answer. Let me show you three stories. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. No, Jonah 3, 4, God said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. God said, here's what's going to happen. He even gave a timeline, 40 days, and this is going to take place. Let me ask you, was Nineveh destroyed, yes or no? No. Verse 8 through 10, the king of Nineveh said, everyone must pray to God. Perhaps God will change his mind. God saw what they did, so he changed his mind and did not punish them as he said he would. Whoa, we just read a story where God changed his mind because somebody prayed. Let me give you one where somebody didn't pray. Ezekiel 22.30, God said, So I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap. Okay, real quick, stand in the gap. Same three words as last week. They met together. What's the one word? Intercession. I I tried to find one among them who would intercede before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. Here's what this is saying. God's perfect, holy, just self demanded justice, but he wanted to show mercy, but nobody would pray. Let me give you one more. Acts 12, 3. King Herod began to persecute the church. He had James killed by the sword, okay? He arrested James, arrested Peter, some other believers. He killed James. He wanted to kill Peter next because he saw how much it pleased the crowd. In verses 5 through 7, while Peter was in jail, the church never stopped praying for him. That night, an angel appeared and rescued Peter from the jail. Here's what you just saw. Two men in the same circumstance. Both were believers. Both were leaders in a church. James was killed, and there's not a record of anyone praying for James. Same story, same scripture, same scenario. Peter was also taken to jail. It says the church never stopped praying for Peter, and that night he was rescued. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's some things that you will never see take place in your life unless you pray. Your child may never get saved unless you pray. Your friend may never get healed unless you pray. God wants to. God designed prayer so that when we praise and worship and hallowed be his name, 
our hearts want what God wants, and then when we pray for what God wants, things change on planet Earth. But we have to get to the point where our heart actually wants whatever God wants. There's don't, don't, don't go through the Bible and tear out pieces of scriptures because you don't like what it says or because it hurts your feelings. You say, well, I don't feel this way. I feel like I, 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 this is what I, this is, I feel like this is right. But if it's not in the Bible, it's not. I feel like this is what makes me feel good. But if it's not in the Bible, it's not God's will. You got to praise and worship God until your heart says, okay, it's not going to feel good. I may not like it, but I now want whatever God wants. I want the king to have dominion. Last story. In the early 1800s, there was a man named George Mueller. It's a true story, and everything I'm about to tell you is documented precisely. You can read about it. You can Google his name. George Mueller is a young man. He lived a very sinful and immoral life. He was an alcoholic. He did all kinds of bad things. Yet, he was going to seminary because in his time where he lived, the government hired ministers. They were, they were paid, employed by the government. So it was a steady job. He didn't love God, didn't care about God, but he was going to seminary. When he was 30 years old, he was at a short group Bible story, a little Bible study, a, little, a, a short, small group Bible study. He gave his life to Jesus. And the first thing he did was he learned how to pray biblically. George Mueller is known, he was known as a prayer warrior. He began to pray every day, God, whatever you want. I want to build your kingdom. I just, he was so excited to be saved, so excited to have all the immoral things he did wiped away. He just wanted whatever God wanted. So he prayed and he felt like God told him to go to missionary school. So he went to his rich father and asked for the money and his dad said, I'm not sending you to missionary school. It's a waste of your life. So George Mueller prayed. And God told him to go to missionary school and God would provide. So he went. he's up there getting ready to register. He has no money. And he's praying wise in line, God, your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom, whatever you want, whatever you want. And someone walks up to him and hands him a wad of money and just walks away. He's counting the money and they call his name and he steps forward and the exact amount of money that they asked for is the exact amount of money he was handed. When he got out of missionary school, he stood before the board and said he wanted them to send him off, Asia, Africa, wherever. And they said, you know, we can't. We're sorry, we should have told you this before you went to school, but your past is so immoral, we don't want you to be part of our group. So George prayed. God told him to go to a particular country and to a particular city, so he went. He went and found the nearby church. He just he took, traveled a long way, found the church, said, I want to talk to the pastor. They said, we haven't had a pastor for several weeks. He resigned. George said, I just completed missionary school. They said, you're hired. So George started pastoring. But he still felt like there was more for him, so he'd pray every day, God, your kingdom, your kingdom, what do you want? What do you want? I want to build your kingdom. God said, start an orphanage. George said, I have no money. I'll provide. Within one week, somebody came up to him and said, George, we want to pay for whatever it takes for you to start an orphanage in this area. So he started one. Then he prayed and started another one. Then he prayed and started another one. Then he prayed and started another one and another one and another one. And in 65 years of ministry, George Mueller had more orphanages than any other organization or person who has ever existed in the world up to this very day. In the 1800s, he had over $7.5 million given to his missionary work and never once asked for money. All he did was pray. In fact, there's, if you, there's true stories. If you read his life, there's one time where he's in one of the orphanages with all the children, and there's no food this day. They have no food on the table. 
So they gather around the table, and George asks each of them to say something they're thankful for, to thank God for something. These are orphans now. These aren't people that are blessed like y'all. These are orphans in the 1800s, and they all found something to thank God for. As a side note, remember the story of the five loaves and two fishes with Jesus? He took that, and the Bible says he gave thanks, and then he broke it and sent it out. He never said, God, this is not enough. We want more. How am I going to feed these people with this? I want more. No, it says Jesus thanked God for what he had, and then the miracle occurred. Thank God for what you have, and then maybe you'll see his kingdom grow in your life. Anyway, so the kids went around the table. After they got done, George said, let's all pray and bless the food. The kids said, we don't have any food. We're going to starve. George said, I don't care. We're going to bless the food. They closed their eyes. They blessed the food and prayed. Before they got done praying, there was a knock on the door. The nearby baker of the town decided for some reason he wanted to bring everything he had in his whole store to the orphanage. So they ate. But they didn't have anything to drink, so they prayed. There was a knock on the door, and the milkman's cart broke down right in front of the orphanage. And he said, if somebody doesn't drink this, it's going to go bad. So they had milk. On and on. There are not tens, there are not dozens, there are hundreds and hundreds of accounts of George Mueller's life and what prayer did. When George was 93 years and 8 months old, he was being taken care of by a, a, a younger guy who was there. George was on his deathbed the last few weeks of his life. And this guy taking care of him would hear George pray out loud every single day. During one prayer all throughout the day, there was this one particular name that he would say over and over. Some guy would say over and over. And When he was on his deathbed, the friend who was taking care of him asked him, he said, listen, I've heard you praying every day since I've been taking care of you. Who is this one particular guy you keep talking about? George said, 63 years and eight months ago when I got saved, this guy was my best friend in the whole world. But when I got saved, he didn't want anything to do with me and nothing to do with God. And so I've been praying for him every single day since I was 30 years old. George died a few days later. At his funeral, people came from all over the world. There was a 90-year-old man at the funeral. And at the close of the service, they gave a call to salvation. And this 90-year-old man walked forward, got down on his knees, and invited Jesus to live in his heart. And it was George's friend from 63 years and eight months before. There are some things that will end up amazing you if you'll simply pray. I'm not asking you to give a bunch of money. I'm not asking you to spend hours of your day exercising, anything that's difficult. Listen, I'm asking you to just go to our Father in the name of Jesus and just be thankful. Just thankful. And say, God, I don't understand it. I may not like it, but I really do want your kingdom to rule. I really do. And I'm not even asking you to obey whatever he tells you. I'm just saying to want what God wants. So this week, here's our, here's, our, here's our homework this week. Five minutes a day, we're going to pray to our Father in the name of Jesus out loud. And this week, we're not going to ask for anything. This week, we're not going to beg, not going to plead, not going to say, God, I need this fixed. Heal this person. Give me more of this. Fix this. All we're going to do this week for just five minutes a day is just thank and praise God. That's it. He's already done so much in your life. If I ask you to do this for the next five years, you should be able to do it for the next five years. Just this week, next six days, 
Five minutes a day. Take a second and think about this because I want to get a show of hands on how many of you are going to commit to this. We have our bracelets down here at the front, our Solid Rock Praise bracelets to help remind you. You can put them on a keychain, your wrist, whatever you want to do. But I want you to just take a minute. Just take a minute. And just think about the fact that sometimes we don't want what God wants. Sometimes we don't even know what God wants. Sometimes we just want to feel good, do whatever feels best to us. We just want to be happy. That's what we think. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Listen, when God puts desires in your heart that are from Him, it'll make you happy. I promise. 